welcome to this week's edition of Liberty Through the Word with Senior Pastor Mark Elin of Liberty Christian Fellowship of Beloit, Wisconsin. The Bible says that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. That is to say that the Word of God provides us with physical, moral, and spiritual freedom. Let's tune our hearts and listen to Assistant Pastor Mark Testerman as together we experience Liberty Through the Word. The Bible says when he had finished praying, Jesus left with his disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. On the other side there was an olive grove, and he and his disciples went into it. Now Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. So Judas came to the grove, guiding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and Pharisees. They were carrying torches, lanterns, and weapons. Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked them, Who is it that you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I am he, Jesus said. And Judas the traitor was standing there with them. When Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Again he asked them, Who is it you want? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth, I told you that I am he, Jesus answered. If you are looking for me, then let these men go. This happened so that the words he had spoken would be fulfilled. I have not lost one of those that you gave me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Jesus commanded Peter, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? In the very first verse of chapter 18... The Bible says when he had finished praying, Jesus left with his disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. And the words crossed the Kidron Valley began to really ring in my heart. The Bible says he left with his disciples and he crossed the Kidron Valley. And right off the east side of Jerusalem, there was a huge valley that came down. And it went all the way over to the Mount of Olives. I mean, it was a huge valley. And I want you to know something. There were a lot of things in the valley. (laughs) There were a lot of things in that valley. And I want you to know, we walked through some valleys. And it was dark in that valley. Why do you think they were carrying lanterns and torches both? It was dark in that valley. And they were carrying weapons in that valley. Think about this for a second. Just close your eyes if you have to. And think about the woundedness in your heart. Think about the things that inhibit you. I want you to know something that feels like there's a valley somewhere in your life. It feels like there's darkness all around you and woundedness all around you. And I want you to know something. God wants you to cross over the darkness. He wants you to cross over the Kidron Valley. He doesn't want you to remain in it. He doesn't want you to live in the Kidron Valley. He wants you to walk through it at times. He wants you to cross it and Get over it. Get on with life. Amen. Honestly, when I was reading these scriptures, I really felt the Lord say in my heart, Mark, tell my people they spend too much time in the Kidron Valley and they don't have to stay there. Jesus walked through the Kidron Valley. He didn't stop. He kept on walking. There was a destiny. He was going to the Garden of Gethsemane on the other side and he had to walk through it. But I want you to know something. That valley will never compare to the cross, the darkness that was there that day. Amen. He did it for you, sister. And I want to share with you tonight four or five things that you can find in the Kidron Valley. If you'll turn in your Bible to 2 Samuel chapter 12. And King David has made a mistake. He has committed adultery with Bathsheba. And then he's killed her husband, Uriah, the Hittite. And Nathan, the prophet, comes before him and rebukes him. And in verse 10, essentially he summed it up by saying, Now therefore the sword will never depart from your house because you despised me and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own. Nathan said, listen, the sword is never going to leave your home. It's not going to depart from you. You're going to have trouble, my friend. 
I'm telling you, if you don't deal with woundedness in your heart, you're going to hurt somebody. You're going to hurt yourself. Then a messenger came to David, and he simply said this word here, the hearts of the men of Israel are with Absalom. In other words, the hearts are with your son. David loved his son, but he also knew what his son was capable of. He also knew that his son killed his other son. And David had a fear in his heart. David was afraid. Do you ever get afraid of anything? David was afraid. And without opposition, David packed his bags. David didn't even give him, his son any opposition. He just simply deserted that city and took a whole bunch of people with him. And you know where he fled to? He went to the Kidron Valley. Weeping, the Bible says, barefoot and fleeing. What an awful sight. The first thing you'll find in the Kidron Valley is fear. There's some things that I'm afraid of from time to time. But I want you to know something. God has not called us to live in fear. The Bible says, as a matter of fact, fear not, for God hath heard thee. Isn't that comforting to know? He says, fear not, for God hath heard thee. He also says, fear not, for I am with thee. Oh, how comforting that is to know. Hey, listen to me. I'm with you. Don't fear. The Bible says, fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. But rather fear him, which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. The Bible goes on to say, fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. God himself said, listen, don't be afraid. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, Apostle Paul said, in that particular scripture, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love, and of a sound mind. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 26, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being snared. I think we're getting too much news from Dan Rather, and we ought to be getting the news from the Word of God. You see, Dan Rather will bring you the bad news. This is the good news. And open up the Word of God. If you've got fears, if you've got anxieties, inside of you, get in the Word of God. He'll deliver you. The first thing I saw in the Kidron Valley was fear. And God's saying, listen, my people are so afraid of things. Fear is in the Kidron Valley. It chased David into the Kidron Valley and threw it. He was afraid of what Absalom would do to him. First thing to take you to the Kidron Valley, mark it in your mind, fear. And God says, listen, I want you to step out of your fear. You see it in the word of God. He says, fear not, for I am with thee. Fear not, for God hath heard thee. Fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. The second thing I saw in the Bible is in 1 Kings chapter 15, verses 11 through 13. And you don't need to turn there. King Esau, when he deposed Grandma Macaw, <laughs> and when he, came, when he became king, uh, he saw a lot of idolatry that was going on. And he said, this stuff has got to go. This stuff is going to kill the people. Besides that, I love the Lord, and I want to do what's right in his eyes. And so he snatched uh, the Asherah pole from Grandma. And guess where he took the Asherah pole? He took it to the Kidron Valley. He said, listen, this stuff is garbage. And it belongs in the Kidron Valley. You don't belong in the Kidron Valley. This is garbage. There's fear in the Kidron Valley and there's fire in the Kidron Valley because the Bible says that he took it down there and he lit it on fire and he burned it up. Now how many times are we walking through life, every little thing is hurting us. Ouch, ouch. Oh, every little word. Ouch, ouch, ouch. You hurt my feelings. Ouch, ouch. It feels like there's a little fire cooking under you somewhere. I'm going to tell you right now, God has not called you to walk in fire like that. He really hasn't. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, 
Put on the whole armor of God. And one of those pieces of the armor is the shield of faith. Oh, you got to hear me now. The shield of faith, and it's to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. I'm telling you, the evil one dwells in the Kidron Valley. He's there, and if you've got to walk through it, you've got to have a shield of faith to extinguish the darts, the fiery darts that the evil one's going to cast you away. Oh, you've got to get smart. We've got to read this word of God and know it. The devil's too smart. And he's killing God's people and he's stealing from them and he's destroying things in their life because we're so ignorant or we're so stubborn. There's fear in the Kidron Valley. There's fire in the Kidron Valley. And I want you to know something, there's frustration. We live in frustration. We live in disappointment. We live in discouragement. And God said there's frustration in the Kidron Valley. And one of King David's employees deserted King David. One of the employees said, oh, yeah, I'm going to go back to kind of hang out with Absalom. He was known, this man, for his wisdom among the Jews. This was a wise man. But when he realized he no longer had influence with Absalom, he realized that his plan was being frustrated by God Almighty. Because listen, you just deserted the king. You just touched the anointed one. And God will begin to frustrate your plans. This man began to get very, very frustrated to the point where he walked down into the Kidron Valley and hung himself. There's frustration in the Kidron Valley. But I want you to hear one other thing that's in the Kidron Valley, and that is failure. How many times do we feel like we're a failure in life? Like we've never amounted to anything. Like we're never going to amount to anything. Like things don't ever seem to get any better. Uh, things are always rising up against us. We feel like a total failure in life. God said that junk belongs in the Kidron Valley. Oh, you know what the opposite of failing is? Being successful. And if you read 3 John, verse 2, it says, Above all things, I would that you prosper and be in good health. You know what prosper means? Succeed. God said, listen, I want you to be successful. He said, above all things, I want you to be successful in life. Not just what you do, but who you are. But we're living in this failure because we're living in the Kidron Valley. God says, step out of the Kidron Valley. There's failure there. And I want you to know one other thing. There were funerals in there. That was the common cemetery. Why do you think those guys were carrying those lanterns and torches and all the weapons? And listen, it wasn't just to go get Jesus. The Bible says there was a band of men. Do you know how many a band is? A band is 600. It's one-tenth of a legion. There are 6,000 soldiers in a legion of men. And the Bible says a band of men went after Jesus. Now listen, Jesus was peaceful, but they walked through the Kidron Valley I don't think they were worried about Jesus or what Peter would do. I think they were a little spooked in the Kidron Valley. And they had the torches and the lanterns because there were dead bodies laying all over the place. And they knew that was a place of failure and all these things. And they simply did not want to walk alone. There's funerals there. There's filthiness there. There's failure there. There's fear there. There's fire there. And there's frustration in the Kidron Valley. Oh, but going back to John chapter 18... The Bible says they crossed the Kidron Valley. And then it says, on the other side. <laughs> oh, I circled those words. On the other side, there was an olive grove. And he and his disciples went into it. There's another side that you can cross over to. There's a place of refuge and safety. There's a place of deliverance. On the other side, he says. Oh, those words got in my heart. On the other side. You don't have to live in the Kidron. On the other side, there was an olive grove, and he and his disciples went into it. Amen. And then in verse 2, now Judas, and Judas, I want you to know something, is a picture of Satan. That's because he belonged to Satan the whole time. 
Judas didn't just defect at the end. Judas never belonged to God. He never belonged to Jesus. You can see that in John, in I think it's chapter 8. But it says, now Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place. Now circle the words, knew the place. The place is more than just a spot. The place is more than just a location. It's more than just a position. According to the Greek here, a place is an opportunity. I want you to know something. Judas knows the opportunities. The devil knows the opportunities he has for you. It actually says in the Greek that place is a license. That is to simply say, listen, as believers, we know that Satan can't just do anything he wants to us. He's got to get a permit or a license. He's got to go knock on the door of God somewhere along the line and say, listen, I want to do something to this servant of yours over here. Uh, do you mind? And I want you to know no matter what we walk through, God will prevail and God will strengthen you no matter what you go through. But the Bible says Judas knew the place. Satan knows your weaknesses. He knows the place of your weaknesses. Don't help him. Don't give him the license. Don't give it to him. As a matter of fact, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27, the Bible says don't give place to the devil. Don't give the devil an opportunity. Don't give him a license. Don't give him permission. You know, he, he gets enough of that all on his own. He knew the place. Amen. Now I want to speak some words of healing into your heart from 1 Kings chapter 17. In verse 1, here's a man named Elijah. Elijah is one rough dude. Elijah comes on the scene for the first time in the Bible in 1 Kings chapter 17. And the first thing he does is he marches into the courtyard of King Ahab, a very wicked king married to Jezebel. And Elijah said, listen, I've got a weather report for you. There'll neither be dew nor rain over the next few years except at my word. He said, listen, I've got a word inside of me that's so powerful, I can shut the heavens up where rain won't even fall. Matter of fact, dew won't even come out. That's a powerful word on the inside of you. I think this probably freaked out King Ahab, and he just began to stare at this man, not probably knowing what to do. So the first thing you see Elijah do is he shut up the windows of heaven. Now, when's the last time you did that? This man is in touch with God, isn't he? Then God sends him to the widow of Zarephath, and he goes, and because the rain had been silent so long, there was a great famine in the area. And this widow is starving to death like everybody else. Her and her son are about to die. They're probably just skin and bones. And Elijah says to her, bring me a glass of water. And she starts walking for the glass of water. And Elijah said, while you're at it, bring me a piece of bread too. So she gets into a little confrontation with him. Well, listen, you know, all I've got is a little flour and a little oil. I don't have enough for all of us. All I want to do is uh, have one last meal with me and my son. And then we're both going to die and that's it. And Elijah said, <laughs> You underestimate the power of God to heal that situation. That seems pretty desperate, doesn't it? You underestimate God. And Elijah simply said to her, listen, the flour barrel will not run dry and the cruise of oil will not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord. And I mean, day after day, they reached into that flour barrel and poured that oil and it never ran dry. And then in that same story right there, you see that something happens to her young son. I don't know how old he was, maybe five or six. And he dies. And Elijah comes on the scene. He says, give me that boy. And he snatches the boy out of her hands. And he takes that boy up to the upstairs room where he's been staying. And he threw that boy upon the bed. And got down on his knees and prayed. Oh God, restore this little boy's life. This little boy's got rigor mortis in him. His lips are purple and blue. This boy is dead. If the Bible says he's dead, he's dead. It's not just that he's clinically dead. He is dead. 
But the power of God was available. And Elijah knew how to call upon the power of God. And the power of God fell upon that little boy. And that little boy came back alive. And Elijah snatched him up and took him back down them stairs and gave him to mama. And she said, now I know you're a man of God. That's an awesome miracle. Then in chapter 18, you see Elijah has done quite a bit so far. But then there's some prophets of Baal. And Elisha summons them, 450 of them. They basically, you know the story, call upon your gods, I'll call upon my God. And whoever answers with fire, whatever God answers with fire, that is the true and living God. And them crazy rascals were out there all morning long calling upon God. And Elijah just kind of taunting them, well, he must be sleeping, you better yell louder. Where's your God? Maybe he's absent-minded, you know, maybe he's off on vacation somewhere. And they called upon their gods. But listen, <laughs> it wasn't the living God. And idols can't speak and they can't hear, neither can they think. And they can't respond. And nothing happened, except they ended up needing a lot of stitches. But when they were done, he took those 450 prophets of Baal, that's 450 men now, and he took them and he killed them all. Now, that is a bad guy. How are you going to overtake that many people? And then, to top it off, he decides to show them how fast he can run. When's the last time you outran a horse and a chariot? And Elijah tucked in his cloak, and down the hill he went. And he ran all the way to Jezreel, and he outran the horse and chariot. There was something supernatural on him. There was something supernatural going on. Now think about this for a second. Here's all this stuff that he's done. Wouldn't that increase your faith a little bit? You wouldn't think there's anything in the world that would be too difficult. Oh, but you haven't read chapter 19. You've not seen what's in 19. There was a woman that he was afraid of. One woman. Her name Jezebel. This doesn't make sense to me. How can you take on all these prophets of Baal? How can you take on all this stuff but run from one woman? I began to look at that and I thought, oh Lord, I don't understand it. you got to help me here. Verse 1, now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that one of them. This is what Jezebel said. Listen, this is the telegram. Take it to him. Oh, you're, you're history, my friend. Now listen to me. Verse 3, it looks like, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. He ran from Jezebel. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the desert. He came to a broom tree, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. You know what? He suddenly got low self-esteem. I'm telling you what, fear when it begins to rain in your life will crush your self-esteem. Suddenly you'll begin to forget that you're a child of God, that you're made in his likeness and his image, and that you have his power available to you. He began to lose his self-esteem. He's begging God to take his life. He said, listen, I want to lay my ministry down, God. Oh, I want to lay my life down, God. Just kill me right now. Isn't that an awful story? I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals. Isn't the Lord good? <laughs> in the Lord good this is fresh bread brother it just got baked you know what you need you need some fresh bread maybe you're trying to live off yesterday's bread and last year's bread you need some fresh bread you need a fresh word from God there was some fresh bread laying there as a matter of fact the coals were still hot God's an awesome God he baked the bread for him 
And then the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, strengthened by that food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And I'm about to share some things with you that I want you to hear me now. If you want to know a little bit more about inner healing and about woundedness leaving you, the pain, the hurt in your heart, listen, tune everything out around you for just a minute. Because I want to speak this word from the Lord into your hearts. The Bible says, there he went into a cave and spent the night. You know what a cave is? <laughs> a cave represents darkness. Since when do we run to darkness as children of God? We are to run to the light. But Elijah ran to the cave. But the Bible says the word of the Lord came to him. And he asked him this question, what are you doing here, Elijah? And I felt that rise up in my heart. And God saying to his people, what are you doing here? Why are you in this cave? Why are you in this darkness? You don't have to be here. And he asked him for an answer. What are you doing here, Elijah? That's what God said. He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with a sword. And I'm the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me. Seems like he must have misunderstood the question somewhere along the line. He just simply said, what are you doing here? And Elijah begins to talk about his good works. I want you to know something. You can work your fingers to the bone. It won't make woundedness go away. Oh, I have done this for you, God. And I've done this for you. And I've done this for you. Oh, but you're still wounded. You're still living in a cave. You're still dwelling in darkness. Now listen, verse 11, chapter 19 of 1 Kings. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. That's a really important verse right here. Here is a word from the Lord. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain. The mountain, the darkness, the mountain, the fear, or whatever's in your life, the failure, go stand on top of it. That frustration, don't crawl underneath of it. Don't beg for it to fall on you like they're going to do in the end days. God said, go stand on the mountain. Go stand on whatever's coming after you. Go stand on the mountain. He said, in the presence of the Lord. Listen, it's more than just standing on a mountain. It's in the presence of the Lord. Like where Moses was at, in the presence of God. Go stand on your mountain. Whatever your mountain is, go stand on it. Don't run from it. Stand on the mountain. For the Lord, he says, is about to pass by. And as I began to look at the word pass by, in the Hebrew it literally means the Lord is about to cross over. That's why I said you can cross over the darkness. God is saying, listen, Elijah, I'm making an opportunity here for you. I'm giving you permission to cross over the darkness. I'm about to pass by. He said, I'm going to show you how to cross over the darkness. I'm going to show you how to leave the cave. You know you're in a cave. You know there's something in your heart that ain't right. I'm not talking about sin here. I'm talking about hurts and pains and wounds in your heart. And it hurts us. It affects us. Oh, then I saw some other things in that scripture. My goodness. The Bible says then. You mean there's something else? Yeah, that's why it says then. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But you've got to hear me now. The Bible says, but the Lord was not in it. Did you hear that? Let me say it again. Then a great and powerful wind, that's a tornado, tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. 
After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. Listen, if God's not in it, it doesn't matter. You can just make a whole bunch of noise. Says the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. Three of the most destructive forces we've got is wind and earthquakes, tornadoes and earthquakes and fire. They consume a lot of things. But I want you to know something. They won't consume the hurts and pains out of your heart. You can make a lot of noise like I said. You know, sometimes we, if we don't see explosions and fireworks and big bangs, we think nothing happened. And after the fire, it said there came a gentle whisper. Oh, but it doesn't say the Lord was not in the gentle whisper. Because the Lord was in the gentle whisper. He said, there came a gentle whisper. That's what God wants to do. He just wants to whisper something in your heart. Oh, and break the power of the lie that's in your life. God wants to whisper something into your life. He said, there came a gentle whisper. And it said, when Elijah heard it, oh, it got his attention. He pulled his cloak over his face because you know what? He knew he was about to be in the presence of the Lord. He pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and he stood at the mouth of the cave. I want you to know something. A whisper from God into your heart will bring you out of the cave. It will bring you out to the mouth of the cave. And while you're standing there, listen, the mouth of the cave is the entrance. But if you're already in the cave, it becomes the exit. And you can cross over the darkness and you can cross into a land of liberty and light. That's what God wants to do in our hearts and lives. Amen. That's inner healing. Strongholds, tear them down with a whisper from God. Isn't that a neat thing to think about? A whisper in your ear from God. And but that, listen, you're going to have to spend time with Him. You're going to have to avail yourself to Him. You're going to have to become vulnerable before God and get alone with God and say, God, whisper into my heart. Oh, let it begin to echo around in the chambers of my life, Lord. Oh, I need a word from you, Lord. I can't remain like this. A word brought Him out of the cave or the darkness. Then a voice said to him, Oh, what are you doing here, Elijah? The same God, the same word. Oh, what are you doing here, Elijah? You know what Elijah did? He said the same exact thing, word for word. He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord, God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Word for word. I want you to know something. When you come out of the cave, you need to have a new mentality. You can't just keep saying the same old things over and over again. You've got to come out like you did tonight, sister, and say, listen, I've been off the cigarettes three days. I'm done with cigarettes. I've been off them one day. I'm done with cigarettes. You've got to come out of that cave and say, listen, I serve a God that's delivered me from darkness and all kinds of areas of our life. Listen, you're hurting. You're bleeding all over the place. Amen. I saw verse 15, and I want to end these passages with this particular scripture. Man, did this speak volumes to my heart when I read it. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. Listen to me carefully now, because this is the word I think the Lord wants you to hear. The Lord said to Elijah, go back the way you came. Elijah's had all this opportunity to get Jezebel out of his heart. But there was something about that woman. There was something that was already stuck in his heart. There was already something stuck in his mind. He wasn't a perfect man any more than you and I. But there was something that was stuck in his heart to make him fear that particular woman. And God said to him, listen, sir, you're going to have to go back the way you came. That's the same word that he's saying to you and me. Listen, you're going to have to go back into your past somewhere. You're going to have to go back the way you came in life. And as you're going back in life, you're going to find something in life, something that damaged you, something that wounded you along the line. But as you go back the same way you came, you're going to come across it. 
And God says, listen to me, then that I can speak to you. I can whisper in your ear very gently and bring you out of the cave. But you're going to have to go back the way you came. Listen, it doesn't come out any other way. I wish it did. I'd tell you the way it would come out. You've got to go back the way you came. You've got to spend time with the Lord and listen for that gentle whisper in your heart. And he will speak to your heart. All them things that he did, all those feats, all those miracles. But now he's running from Jezebel. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came. Amen. We pray that this word is ministered to you today in a powerful way. It is our prayer that the body of Christ be whole and healthy to accomplish the last day's work. Liberty Through the Word is a ministry of Liberty Christian Fellowship of Lloyd, Wisconsin. If you would like a copy of today's broadcast, we'll send it to you for a love gift of any size. You can contact us at 1525 Liberty Avenue on the web at libertychristianfellowship.com or by calling us at 608-365-0866. When you contact us, just mention the date of this broadcast. We thank you and boldly declare that there is liberty through the word. God bless.